Today on Secular, a massive update in the Fonnie Willis disqualification case. Keeping you informed and engaged, now more than ever. This is Seculo. We want to hear from you. Share and post your comments or call 1-800-684-3110. And now your host, Jordan Seculo. All right, so there's a lot to talk about in the Trump legal matters. I was on very early this morning on Newsmax, 6.40 a.m. Central Time, early, Logan, frankly, I did from not, my home office. I will say that I saw it. Yeah? Sure. Yeah. It was great. I had tie on. I'm not going to tell you that I had a full suit on. Well, I think that's smart. Yeah. But I uh, did I had makeup on and everything. On my head. I was the first one up in the house, which yeah, I've got two-year-olds. So yeah, that's a rarity. 640. I thought there'd be more talking more, but they were like mad at me. Mm-hmm. They were like, what, what are you loud, doing? Dad, what are you loud. talking about? Uh, and this is uh, what we're talking about. So there's a couple things going on in Georgia. First is... That the judge in the Georgia case was really expected to make a decision likely on whether she would be disqualified by now. Yeah, Fannie Willis. Yeah, the, this is this is about. Remember, she has the boyfriend or ex boyfriend who had the divorce, and uh, uh, then uh, with with the Wade divorce, you had the former Wade partner Bradley try to testify, except he said everything was privileged, and because he handled Wade's divorce. And so he would testify about what he knew about uh, the will when uh, Fannie Willis and that relationship began. It was the money that was paid uh, to the new special counsel, the nearly $700,000 uh, before, after, during, and all this cash talk. He is now going to have Bradley come back into his office next, uh, next week. So this is going into next week and try to clarify his testimony, which was, uh, so I, I don't think the judge has made a decision yet. I mean, what's well, clear. And Logan, on top of that, he's going to add to that closing arguments. Yeah, that, which is on not, the disqualification. That's not this normal. This is something that we thought would definitely be done by this week. I mean, is now going to go into a full third week. Well, it's like the Supreme Court as well. well they, another one of situations. You, you mentioned where, that. Of course, the Supreme Court can issue these opinions tomorrow mm-hmm. if they if they want. But likely, you know, the next uh, uh, opinions. Uh, orders days on Monday. Yeah, the actual scheduled day. So, I mean, you might get the immunity case uh, and whether or not there's a stay there. Uh, you could get the 14th Amendment tomorrow. But, uh, and again, they don't have to follow these strict guidelines that are online. But think about the fact that people are voting right now in every single Super Tuesday state. Mm-hmm. And actually, the I voting comes th- to an end pretty soon. I thought about voting this year. morning. Went on the way into work. I'm like, well, I got some early time. I could go do early voting and get it taken care of. I haven't yeah. done it yet. Um, Depending on how the line is with my, uh, when I go get my kids later today. Yeah, and that's, uh, look, I'm looking at this. The one thing there. also we need to address is the nationwide phone out. Nationwide cell phone outage. If you're on AT&T or Verizon, you may have had these problems. Uh, as a lot of them have come back so far. Mine came back and then left again. So right now, no cell phone service, and that is a something we need to at least keep an eye out I've on. Got full, I'm, I've got Verizon. I have full Wi-Fi and full. You're good. They, but, they, look, they've working it back, but this happened mi- like 3, 3, 3 a.m.? Mid, mid, yeah. 3 a.m., and it, look, it hit two of the biggest, probably the two biggest, maybe T-Mobile's up there, uh, cell phone service, and it really does show you how much we rely on it and what it could look like. Even today, I dropped you know, the kids off, and I was like, okay, uh, let's check the traffic. Do you not have Wi-Fi in your car? I do not. 
I drive an old car. Most, a lot of these cars now, it, but, <laughs> but a lot of cars now have Wi-Fi. Yeah, they do. So I would buy. But it was, depends on who that cell phone provider. Up a little bit this morning. It still depends on who the provider is. I don't know who's actually doing that providing. I'm sure some of that is done through AT and T or Verizon or whoever. Oh, that's true. That's because it's still Wi-Fi powered by some kind of satellite or cellular. Uh, true. So that's inter- it's an interesting thing because look, yep. we're even seeing. You're probably going to see numbers not as big on on phones for calls today. People can't call. Maybe even on people watching on their phones at yes. work. If you can call, give us a call. 1-800-684-3110. Has your coverage been restored? Are you able to follow the news? As Tim Scott asks, did Nikki Haley get out of the way in South Carolina? Yep. Donald Trump has Donald Trump. Yeah, let us know in the comments what your, how your cell phone service is, which is curious. Yeah, I mean, they said it was mostly AT&T, did affect some Verizon, and then everyone else, too. Yeah. But most of the people we've talked to, it's been AT&T who's... Suffered the most. Now, that's in our area of the country. Yeah, we'll take your calls, 1 800 684 We'll talk more about where this goes next in Georgia because we're going to go into a third week of whether or not she is disqualified from the case. Not removed as district attorney, but removed from this case. We'll be right back on Secular. The challenges facing Americans are substantial. At a time when our values, our freedoms, and our constitutional rights are under attack, it's more important than ever to stand with the American Center for Law and Justice. For decades now, the ACLJ has been on the front lines, protecting your freedoms, defending your rights in courts, in Congress, and in the public arena. And we have an exceptional track record of success. But here's the bottom line. We could not do our work without your support. We remain committed to protecting your religious and constitutional freedoms. That remains our top priority, especially now during these challenging times. The American Center for Law and Justice is on your side. If you're already a member, thank you. And if you're not, well, this is the perfect time to stand with us at aclj.org, where you can learn more about our life-changing work. Become a member today. aclj.org. After nearly 50 years, Roe versus Wade, the tragic ruling that manufactured a so-called right to abortion has been overturned by the United States Supreme Court. This is the moment the ACLJ has been fighting for. It's the biggest victory we've achieved in our three decade long fight against the soulless abortion industry. And believe me, abortionists like Planned Parenthood are devastated. This victory would not have been possible without the steadfast prayer and support of ACLJ members like you. On behalf of the entire ACLJ, I thank you for standing with us against the abortion industry and helping us save defenseless babies. I thank you for making this victory possible. And I ask you for your continued prayer and support as we continue to battle against barbaric new abortion laws across our nation. surrounding the potential move of Fannie uh, Fannie Willis from the case, which now we're into, we will be into the third week next week. Andy Economist was joining us now. Andy, of course, you've been an assistant U.S. attorney there and uh, worked in these matters and these uh, review of DAs and DA's DA's offices when a a party feels like they should be removed, they've got a conflict. The judge here's young. He's running for re-election this year. He's running for re-election in a primarily Democrat county that 
Uh, uh, Fonnie Willis would have a pretty easy time getting reelected in, and, and he'd probably have a tough time uh, getting elected in. Uh, but he's not moving very quickly in this. I mean, this is it unprecedented to go into week three? I think it is. When you're talking about a disqualification of a prosecutor from uh, pursuing their duties uh, to criminally prosecute crimes in Fulton County or anywhere, you would think that something like this would be decided rather quickly. You've put up your evidence and within uh, hours, uh, the other side puts up their evidence as to why the DA should stay in the case. And the judge usually makes a ruling either from the bench or within a day or two. But this is just strung on and on. And it's because Trump is involved and it changes the complexion of everything. Do we do we think that, yeah, because of Trump being involved, you've got a judge who now next week is we know is going to have an in-camera review with it with a witness who he said uh, who's attorney, former attorney with uh, the special counsel that, that uh, Willis brought in, who she had the relationship with Wade, uh, the $700,000 being an issue there. He was no longer, uh, has that, uh, they, they're no longer partners, because but he did handle his divorce and he kept invoking privilege. And the judge, uh, McAfee, thought there that uh, he didn't really understand privilege. So now, what, what when they say, just for our audience, so they understand this, sure. what is Bradley walking into when they say he's having an in-camera review with the judge? Okay, what the judge is going to do is he claimed privilege. That is to say, he said, I can't answer those questions that you're posing to me because they were uh, the answers were given to me or the information was obtained by me during a time that Wade was my client. And therefore, I say that the attorney-client privilege precludes uh, me from going into those. The attorney-client privilege, very old privilege in Georgia and everywhere else, whatever you say to an attorney in confidence in connection with your consultation uh, can never be disclosed unless there is some outstanding reason to do so in order the court, for instance, would find that there was no privilege uh, possibly. But what the judge is doing is saying, okay, these Privilege matters came out in open court. They're very complicated. What I'm going to do is I'm going to have an in-camera, that simply is a fancy Latin word for meaning in chambers in my office, conference with the lawyers to determine what was this privilege? Is it valid? Can it be used to preclude anyone from going in to what was told by Wade to the attorney or not? And the judge is going to have to make that tough decision as to whether the privilege applies. He may order him to answer. He may say, no, the privilege applies and you don't have to answer the question. At, at this point, I mean, uh, so we have that next week and then we are going to have closing arguments next week. So and, and they're calling it that. So, I mean, literally the parties who are uh, the defendants in this case, in this criminal case, they will make a closing argument. And then the DA's office who is representing uh, uh, Fonnie Willis will make a closing argument. They had also made, Andy, the controversial decision not to bring her back for a second day of, of questioning. Yeah, that was a tactical decision that I think was very smart. She she was a train wreck on the first day, and I think she'd have been worse subsequent to that because she came in combative, angry, arrogant, and everything else. And uh, But what's going to happen now is the judge is going to entertain what they call closing arguments. In other words, each side, the, each of the defendants and the state is going to be given an opportunity to argue their case, to say where the law uh, comes down here, why she should be disqualified or why she shouldn't be disqualified. And by the way, if she is disqualified, that disqualifies 
all the Fulton DA's office, including all her assistants. A new prosecutor would be appointed by the Governor Jordan, who would come in and make a new evaluation of the case totally from the beginning. That prosecutor could decide this case is done, right? Absolutely. For all, all of those different clients? Absolutely. The prosecutor can make a decision. It's that pretty the, tough to take this one on from, the, no, from nothing. I mean, I, I'm sure the judge has got to be thinking that too. Not to say that he would, I mean, listen, he's a Republican appointed judge. I'm sure he's got some issues with what he's seeing here, but he's got to decide, is it enough to actually remove her from the case? You also have these defense attorneys. Ooh, that's a dance you got to make, Andy. When you're in front of the DA, you want her removed, but you go too far and she doesn't get removed. And now your client who may have been like, you know, number 15 on this list is yeah. suddenly uh, number two to Donald Trump and the DA is the target list. Yeah, she's they're gunning for her. You at so that you saw point. the attorneys be pretty chill. Yeah, they were very careful. I, I know that I noticed. But yeah, no, he didn't. He you wants understand to show. why. Yeah, he right? wants to There's show. no guarantee. You, most of the time, do you lose these? Yeah, most of the time. It's very difficult in Georgia to get a prosecutor disqualified. I got to tell you, there has got to be a systemic uh, problem with a prosecutor pursuing the case for the judge to do it. And and I think what the defendants are going to argue, Jordan, is that the misconduct that took place was so undermining of the integrity and impeccability that should obtain in the criminal justice system that she shouldn't be permitted or her office to prosecute the case. And it's a matter of public perception. That's what they're going to say. The public has to be convinced that the criminal process is pure and above reproach. You know, it, it, it's to me, I think, again, it's going into its third week, we know. There's going to be more argument that you will get to watch. I guess that will, that will be televised too. And then, I mean, he should be making a decision after that. I mean, three weeks of this is a long time. I mean, that's a long time to make a decision whether to disqualify a prosecutor from a case. I think what he's going to do is uh, the longer he takes – the more I think that shows that he's going to disqualify her because he's really going to have to justify it in a lengthy legal written opinion as to why it should be. And then, of course, Jordan, each side is going to be entitled to ask the judge for a certificate of immediate review. Okay, I'll tell you what that a certificate of immediate review the losing side can say, judge, let this thing be decided uh, by the Court of Appeals. Let us take this up to the Court of Appeals. The judge doesn't have to give a certificate of immediate review, but Judge uh, McAfee is going to be happy to get it out of his court uh, to the Court of Appeals. And then, if, if they do or don't take it up, does that, are they sending a signal? Like, if they don't take it up, are they kind of sending a signal? If he did remove her, that they would have done the same thing? Or, yeah. Or, and that, that probably gives some cover. If they take it up and he does move it out, you know, and they're looking at it, this could go on for weeks of war is what oh, I'm saying. Oh, yes. This, this, I don't think this case is going to be tried this year because if the Court of Appeals were to decide to take the case, then they would have another briefing schedule. Then they would have the possibility of an oral argument before a three-judge panel of the Georgia Court of Appeals, and it would go on and on and on. And you know what, Jordan? In addition, the losing side could seek certiorari to the Georgia Supreme Court in this case, which would even make it longer. So the idea of the defense, and they're doing it brilliantly, is drag it out, drag it out. I, I think forever. if she gets moved off, she might go that far because this is her. This is like her maker. This is the case that takes her from DA to like the next Stacey Abrams. That right. That, that's a good yeah. way unless, to put it. Natural unless figure. this scandal is too much of a yeah, or the scandal she can't beat back the scandal and this is it for her. 
That's true. Because that will make her, to a lot of the, the anti-Trump world, uh, uh, her, they they will blame her. Yeah, and Stephen Colbert came out. You know, he almost had like this moment on his show where he was almost yelling at her in the middle of it, saying, you know, you know, like, why would you be able to do this? Now he took a lot of heat for that because they they're saying that you know, you're essentially shaming her, and you know, it's probably not the best look for you, Colbert. But well, John uh, Oliver tried to you know buy off buy off a, a, Thomas. a Supreme Court justice. I mean, which I think again for a white guy who became an American citizen, a British guy, yeah, I mean, so racist and like. Do you think that they would ever make that joke about one of the white justices? That's a good point. No. Yeah. Would you make that joke about one of the black liberal justices? It's if you were well, conservative. No, I mean, I would not make that get joke away in with general. That? Don't, you know, don't you even think you get away with it. No. No. It's, it's, he's, I, I, I think John Oliver is is a typical there's not a rich people, kid, not a ton of people British, watching those shows. Racist. You just got to remember, there's a very small percentage of people watching any of those yeah, television. They're shows. making a lot of money. They are. Uh, to be racist but, and to abuse our own country's freedom of speech, where it is well, no country. Kind of, if he said that about a judge, I think he'd be in jail. Well, they are, and that's the thing is they didn't do that for him, but they are kind of blaming Colbert for going after Fonnie Willis, is that because, saying essentially he's right, making right. racially motivated. Fonnie Willis statements. a liberal, right? And and Clarence Thomas happens to be a conservative, so you could the, the lynching continues of Clarence Thomas, yeah. as we say that the high tech lynching that was started by the way by Joe Biden. When he was chairman of the Judiciary Committee, continues by John Oliver, yeah. who, funny because he, you know, worked so hard to become an American citizen, so he could take a, a advantage of our tr- true and real freedom of speech to attack our Supreme Court minority justices, whose judicial philosophy he disagrees with yeah. so, so strongly. And uh, we only got a minute left until our break. We're going to tell you also about how you become a ACLJ champion. We got a lot of challenges. Facing the day every day, which seems like there's more and more, and your support really helps us, whether that's at the Supreme Court or on the local level. You can be a part of the ACLJ right now. Become an ACLJ champion. You'll be giving monthly and help our support, whether it's our legal work, our media work, all year long. Join the fight. Become an ACLJ champion today. Go to aclj.org slash champions and support the work today. We appreciate it. We'll be back with more. If you have a phone call, if you'd like to call in, great time. If you have cell phone service, that would be great. 1-800-684-3110. I have been restored, Jordan. So You feel like you said that. This is the second time you said it. I you feel, feel like you really have? Yeah, now I can like check maps. After nearly 50 years, Roe versus Wade, the tragic ruling that manufactured a so-called right to abortion has been overturned by the United States Supreme Court. This is the moment the ACLJ has been fighting for. It's the biggest victory we've achieved in our three decade long fight against the soulless abortion industry. And believe me, abortionists like Planned Parenthood are devastated. This victory would not have been possible without the steadfast prayer and support of ACLJ members like you. On behalf of the entire ACLJ, I thank you for standing with us against the abortion industry and helping us save defenseless babies. I thank you for making this victory possible. And I ask you for your continued prayer and support as we continue to battle against barbaric new abortion laws across our nation. The challenges facing Americans are substantial. At a time when our values, our freedoms, and our constitutional rights are under attack, it's more important than ever to stand with the American Center for Law and Justice. For decades now, the ACLJ has been on the front lines, protecting your freedoms, defending your rights in courts, in Congress, and in the public arena. 
and we have an exceptional track record of success. But here's the bottom line. We could not do our work without your support. We remain committed to protecting your religious and constitutional freedoms. That remains our top priority, especially now during these challenging times. The American Center for Law and Justice is on your side. If you're already a member, thank you. And if you're not, well, this is the perfect time to stand with us at aclj.org, where you can learn more about our life-changing work. Become a member today. aclj.org. Just Georgia. What about New York? Now, President Trump's legal team has got 25 days to file an appeal of the $400 million. It's like a little less than that, but that's how much it'll be with interest. And it keeps adding every day to appeal uh, that penalty, uh, the, the civil fraud penalty. He's asked for an addition. His team has asked for an additional 30 days to that 25 days. We, don't know if the court will grant that or not. In a lot of cases, a court would. In this legal world that is so anti-Trump that we have seen, I'm not sure that this is going to be treated normal. I'm not sure he's going to get the extension. And so without that, he's got to figure out to put up the collateral of about $400 billion, $20 million of which is money he will never see back to get a bond like this, even if he ultimately wins the case and beats back the New York Attorney General in this uh, a fraud case, which is a fraud case where there is no actual harm done to a party. So the the there was no fraud done to a bank that gave them a loan. In fact, all the banks that gave them loans said they paid back their loans. And Donald Trump, like he said, it's like they don't take our word for it when we ask for hundreds of millions of dollars in loans. They have to do their own. They do their own due diligence before they they, they hand out those kind of size loads. But in New York, it doesn't matter. Uh, you can still have to pay uh, these giant fines. And there's a lot of questions about these fines in New York. We're going to go to the phones on them. Harry Hutchinson is joining us as well. Let's go to Nathan in Texas. Online one. Hey, Nathan. Hey, guys. Uh, I'm just extremely curious. Is there any possible way or route that the Supreme Court could get involved in that uh, Trump fraud case that you're talking about. So I was asked this on Newsback this morning, Harry, because the Eighth Amendment, like, is this cruel and unusual punishment? Because there, the Eighth Amendment also speaks to excessive bail and excessive fines. And is the $400 million plus interest every day, would it, could it be considered an Eighth Amendment violation? The issue is we're not even close to getting to that, that place in the courts. I think that is c correct. I think there is a basis for Supreme Court intervention. Uh, if you go back in the time machine, approximately 30 years ago, the Supreme Court did intervene in a tort suit where a BMW was damaged in the amount of $1,000 worth of damage but then the jury in Alabama awarded the, the physician something like $30 million in punitive damages. The Supreme Court did intervene. That was a tort suit. This is a criminal case. And so there may be a basis when the judgment is truly excessive in light of the stated crime, and certainly the Eighth Amendment might provide an avenue for recovery. The problem, of course, is that will take tons and tons of time 
to get before the just justices of the Supreme Court. Uh, more likely than not, uh, it would take a two or three year period. Meantime, the clock is running and the attorney general of New York has threatened to seize Trump's properties. So he could ultimately prevail, but he, he also bears the risk that he could lose uh, a huge amount of money and the Supreme Court might decline to take his case. The Supreme Court has taken up a number of cases involving uh, former President Trump, and perhaps the Supreme Court will experience something called Trump fatigue. Yeah, I mean, do you, do you think a lot of people have asked this? How soon, uh, if this thirty-day extension isn't granted, could we see the New York Attorney General seizing forty Trump Wall Street, which is the building she wants? I think she would move expeditiously because it's a political case. She is not interested, in she my judgment, days left if he in, can't post it bond. In judgment, in justice, she is interested in uh, imposing the greatest cost possible for having the last name Trump, and so she suffers from what might be called the Trump derangement syndrome. And as a consequence, she will move, I think, uh, to impose the maximum amount of fines, and she will do it very, very quickly. She was gifted in this particular case because she had a rogue judge who issued a rogue verdict, and this verdict is sending a signal to each and every potential investor in the state of New York— don't come to New York because you never know when you are likely to receive a politicized verdict. I mean, talk about kicking you when you're down in New York, Logan. I mean, the, the idea here, people are now realizing that New York is one of these states, not all states have this law, that has a law that says you can take a loan out, you can repay the loan, you can be okay with the bank of the, the loan institution, yeah, but the state can decide that, that you shouldn't have gotten that loan, thus fine you hundreds of millions of dollars. Some- and... Remember, for three years, he can't run his business. So much of appraisal in that whole business is so subjective. You, know, you may have, you may think your home is worth X, and an appraiser comes in and says, it's worth more. Uh, you know, you know, here, we live in a city where it's where, probably oh, quadrupled in years, and now exactly. it's I live in a house. A I live in a house now that's probably 200% yep. what it was when I purchased it seven years ago. I, so, I went up 100% right, in so, four years. Yeah, oh, and I've lived here longer, and I've seen that happen. So you have to do that on a small scale and go, well, you everyone's had that appraiser walk through their house, and you're trying to have that conversation and negotiate with them and, and think your business is worth more than your business may be worth because you have a different kind of value than maybe the bank does. But if you all come to an agreement, and then all of the, the payments are made— how is that even a controversy? I don't really get it at all. I think that's where the American people are right now. That is why you have people questioning whether they're going to do business in New York. I love New York; it's my favorite state. About these laws favorite places, very how how flippantly, Harry, they could be applied in the sense that she has said since the beginning she wants to get Trump, and this is how she'd get Trump. It should get Trump by saying he, it wasn't that he didn't pay back his loads; it was that he lied to get them. Yes. So this is a manufactured. A crime, and so we basically have a rogue attorney general uh, bringing essentially a case before a rogue judge, leading to a rogue verdict, 
And Kevin O'Leary, a lead investor in New York and elsewhere. Yeah, Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank. Uh, uh, yes, Mr. Wonderful. Uh, he has suggested that no one will invest in the state of New York going forward because the state of New York has become essentially a banana republic with respect to the investment community. And so I think the state of New York will pay a heavy cost, but that cost will be borne by the residents of the state of New York, not necessarily by the judge, not necessarily by the attorney general. Uh, She will get her pound of flesh. All right, folks, we're going to take your calls. We come back. 1-800-684-31. Tim Rick Riddell is going to be joining us as well. We are going to talk about this new executive action on Biden and restrictions on asylum at the border. A Trump policy. Now that Biden look at to interact. Hey, we got a lot of people watching on YouTube. We're not going anywhere during the during the break. We're actually going to stay live. So stay tuned. Stay We're not live. going anywhere. Yeah, if you're listening on radio, you're going to get ads. But if you, it's the benefit of watching on one of our video platforms, one of our own streaming platforms, you get some uninterrupted special coverage. So we're going to stay live over here coming up. So don't go anywhere. I encourage you to do that. Again, you can call in, though. We'd love to hear from you. 1-800-684-3110. As Jordan said, Rick Grinnell's joining us in the next segment. And in the final segment of the broadcast day, a really special guest. You get to see the work of the ACLJ. Again, how we work for you, not just for presidents of the United States, big you know organizations. We are there working an individual level for you at absolutely no cost. For decades now, the ACLJ has been on the front lines, protecting your freedoms, defending your rights in courts, in Congress, and in the public arena. The American Center for Law and Justice is on your side. If you're already a member, thank you. And if you're not, well, this is the perfect time to stand with us at aclj.org, where you can learn more about our life-changing work. Become a member today. aclj.org. 